Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, welcome to the dark. Welcome back to the dark. And once again, I apologize for it being so incredibly long since the uh, the last episode of A Scott in the Dark. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it's haunt season. It's not wabbit season. It's not duck season. It is haunt season. Now, there's a reference that most of you aren't old enough to remember. But anyway, um, yes, it is haunt season. And I will be completely honest, The Vault of Souls has taken a great deal of my time just as much time as actually recovering from the nights of the Vault of Souls. It's getting harder and harder to do the uh, overnight shifts, but uh, but still just as rewarding. And as I'm sure you all know, you have those morning-after problems where you kind of have to wake up and it's like, mm, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Um, so that's kind of what I've been going through. I can make excuses till the cows come home. Basically... Um, I'm sorry, it's been so long since the last episode. Those of you who um, are just joining us and starting to listen to the podcast for the first time, I do these all the time. I never have long lags in between episodes. <clears throat> yeah, well, that's a big fib. Anyway, um, but I know a lot of people have been asking, you know, tens and tens of you have been asking, when am I going to do um, another episode? And uh, And here it is. So that's great. And the topic for this particular episode is sort of inspired by the reason that it's taken so long to do a new one, um, and that is uh, we're going to talk about making it to the end. You know, this being haunt season, this was recorded, um, this actual, this one was recorded actually on uh, October 22nd, and so we're all clearly in the middle of our, of our main haunt season, and getting through haunt season can be can be tricky. I mean, it's something we look forward to and plan for all year long, and then it gets here and we get about halfway through and we realize, wow, this is this is a lot more exhausting than it used to be. Why why am I so darn tired? Um, <clears throat> and those of you who are youngsters, uh, I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure that you're going, oh no, I could do this all year. Yeah, wait wait till you're you know your twentieth season. But uh, the the truth of the matter is, there are some things you can do to make it to make it much better and make it so that you get through the the season and you feel great. You don't get sick. You don't lose your voice. You don't drive yourself absolutely nuts. Um, and you do get just 
a little bit of, of rest every now and then. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about tonight, and uh, and we'll just call it uh, making it to the end. And the reason it's important to talk about this is because what will make or break a haunted attraction, or really any performance experience, is consistency. Consistency equals success. Let me say that one more time. Consistency equals success. The reason I say that is because who knows who's going to come to your haunt, who's going to come to your show at any given time, and what they're going to say. And if one guest, one guest has a bad time, if they're a noisy guest, they can make your life very, very difficult. You know, and and quite honestly, all guests who come to a haunt, who come to your shows, deserve the same show. They all deserve the same quality. Now, <clears throat> that's super easy when when you start when you start the event. You know, early in the event, everybody is like, "Oh gosh, I'm I'm so excited! I you know, let's let's get out there." And you know that all of your props are in working order, and you know that all of your 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 sets are done. Some of them still the paints may still be drying on some of them. If you're like most haunters, me included. Um, you're probably, probably going, oh, please make sure that wall gets dry before the first guest comes in. But everything is, is top notch at the beginning. And then by the second weekend, you know, the first weekend you have your, your greeter or your, your cue line actor and he's out there going, yes, I'm going to eat your soul. (laughs) And then by the second weekend, he's like, I'm going to eat your soul. (laughs) And by the third weekend, he's become a clown with a horn. And it's just ah ah. So you have to you have to be consistent. You have to make certain that you put the right plans in order. Um, I mean, it's not just actors either. You know, you can have that that really cool animation that you found at at some trade show or, or saw online, and it's amazing. And it jumps up and it you know does all kinds of incredible things, and then it it comes back and resets, and it's. It's completely silent except for the the audio recording that you have. And then by the second weekend, it's still working pretty well. But now when when it rears up to do what it's supposed to do, it kind of makes this grinding sound, you know, that's actually louder than the recorded sound of the monster voice that's supposed to be coming out of it. And then by the third weekend, it's a static prop that is just sitting there and still making the noise, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you don't know what else to do because you haven't planned ahead, and and so you you do what you do. And um, so unfortunately, all the guests after the first weekend don't get to see that prop. So, um, and and the reason this is so very important, and the reason I, I keep harping on consistency, and I'll do it probably throughout this entire episode, is in this world of social media, all you need is one person who gets angry or ticked off about your experience, and they can bring it down for the whole for the whole season and for the whole event. Um, now, some of you have heard me say before, and I think I've probably said it on the show as well, uh, that if somebody doesn't you know if somebody doesn't hate something that you do, um, you've hit mediocrity square in the in the bullseye. Someone is going to dislike what you do, and that's okay. That's not exactly what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is when people come through and go, well, they didn't have enough actors. Uh, you know, I went through on a, on the the third Thursday night of the event, and there weren't enough actors in the space, and none of the animatronics were working, and that's stuff you can control. So that's the kind of consistency that I'm talking about, and that's why, you know, social media is is our best friend and our worst enemy, but they do keep tabs on how consistent the event has been, and 
you know, I've, I know I've been involved with events that have had consistency issues and, and, uh, either whether I was with them or, or after I left them or whatever. Um, so it, it is absolutely essential to, to keep some form of, of consistency going. Um, I, you know, I like to say, start strong, stay strong, finish strong. You know, there's, there's no opportunity for, for, uh, for lagging or dropping off. Um, and if you can finish even stronger, that's great. But we'll talk about that a little bit later, um, where you don't necessarily want to go out to your, your cast and staff and say, hey, let's finish five times better than we start, because they may not understand exactly what that means. And uh, that may mean something different to everybody. So you start with a, a really tight, well-oiled machine, and, and you finish with something loud and sloppy that has God knows what in it. So, um, But like I said, we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail um, in a moment. The way to make certain that you are ready to make it through the entire season is to plan ahead. You know, I love the phrase, if you fail to prepare, prepare to fail. You have to make certain that you've put things into place before you even open that will make certain you will make it through the entire haunt season. Um, you know, I, I've talked a little bit about casting and, and how people get tired and and they don't realize, especially if they've never done it before, they don't realize how hard it is. And then you've got those, those you know, everyone has war stories if you're a haunt actor. Ah, there was this time that I used my voice so much and so badly I was spitting up blood and it wasn't a prop. It was actually mine. I was, it was coming straight from my larynx. And I, you know, I, <clears throat> to me, that's the sign of kind of a, well kind of an inexperienced taunt actor. You know, I'd much rather have them say, yeah, I, I used my voice really well, and that's why I can keep that voice going the entire time, and I didn't have to have any problems, and <clears throat> and I didn't use the dreaded chloroseptic, or whatever it is that you use to numb your vocal cords now, or numb your throat. The most dangerous thing you can possibly do. So if you do that, if you have cast that does it, that can damage you permanently, because basically what happens is it doesn't heal your voice, it doesn't make your voice any better, it just makes it so you can't feel it. So it's sort of like I'm going to pound on my hand with a hammer <clears throat> and then eventually I'll ask for a shot of Novocaine so I can't feel me pounding on my hand with a hammer anymore. And then I'll keep pounding on my hand with a hammer. Um, it, it just it makes absolutely no sense. So what you have to do is, if you are a haunt owner, um, you have to make certain that you cast strong, that you put good, strong people in there. And and people who are willing to make good, smart choices as you move forward throughout the season. Um, and I think it's and I think it's important if you are a haunt actor and you happen to be listening, continue to make good, smart choices throughout the season. Um, you know, I, I often say audition hard. Um, make sure that your audition process, again, if you're a haunt owner, make sure your audition process is actually harder than what they're going to experience. Um, and then train hard. Train harder than what you think the experience is going to be. Um, and that way, and that way, when they actually get into the performance and they've got the adrenaline and they've got the guests there, um, they it'll seem easier and, and less daunting, um, and also easier to sustain. You know, easier to maintain throughout. Um, the the other thing that I always think is a really good idea is during the course of training, train them to do warm ups. Train them to do some physical stretching. This is especially true. I mean, this is it's just a no-brainer when it comes to things like um, sliders or stilt walkers or um, you know bungee guys or whatever that whatever your really physical dudes are. Um, they've got to do some sort of of 
stretching, physical warm-ups, calisthenics, gets the, get the blood flowing. Yoga is a great way to, to start with this stuff um, because it will make it so that they will be less likely to get injured, number one. And number two, uh, they will be able to continue to give every single guest that comes to the haunt the same quality and same level of performance because they won't be out injured the the second weekend of, of the show. Um, and also do uh, train train in vocal warm-ups. You know, I, I made the joke earlier about the, the guy who, who turns into the mute clown. Um, make sure that they are properly warming up their vocal cords. And again, I know, I know, I know I've said it before, and I will probably say it again, because, well, for two reasons. Number one, it's very, very important. And number two, I have a very short memory. My short-term memory is gone. Thank you late 70s, early 80s, but my short-term memory is just gone. And uh, so make sure that they do vocal warm-ups. And they're they're like singing warm-ups, but they're not for singers necessarily. Um, They're breathing warm-ups to make sure that that people are properly breathing. Someday we'll actually, I don't know, maybe at a a trade show or something, I'll do vocal warm-ups for for haunt actors. I think that would be a a great seminar. Or maybe we'll do an episode on it. I'll bring in somebody who really, really knows what they're talking about. I know kind of what I'm talking about when it comes to those, but we'll bring in an expert and have them go through it. That might be a good making a note now. That would be a good... Uh-huh. I just got the dark breathing exercises. Okay, good. Um, yeah, we'll see if we can do that in a future show. So, um, and and the other thing that is, is important, if you are a haunt owner or a haunt director, make sure you cast enough people. Um, you know, when we were doing, when we were doing theme park haunt, um, you want to make sure that you've got enough people to give everybody proper breaks. Because haunting in a conga line style haunted house, where there you know you're not batching, you've just got group after group after group after group. You are scaring every ten to maybe twenty five seconds. So it's exhausting. And in order to do it correctly, you've got to have downtime. You've got to have rest time. You've got to have break time. And when you're doing thousands upon thousands of people per night, you got to make sure that these people have time to rest. Um, when we were working at you know, working with, with Hollow Scream, whenever we could, we would double double cast so that we had, uh, everybody had just as much downtime as they actually had performance time. And the reason for that was, was quite simple because we always wanted people to be on their A game. Uh, now, not all budgets can handle that. And to be honest, not all haunted attractions need that. If you batch, if you have small groups that come through, if you're not high startle, if you're more um, creepy, um, you, can, you can do a rotating um, shift person, a rotating breaker. Um, that's what we do at the Vault of Souls, because the Vault of Souls is not a high-impact scare. It's a lot more atmospheric, and these people are living the characters much more than they are jumping out and, and chasing people with chainsaws. So we don't need quite we don't need to cast quite as many folks to to provide breaks because the the work that's being done is not quite as strenuous. Um, but just make sure that you start up front by by saying, "I've got to cast." the the right number of people. Um, And in order to do that, you have to make certain that your budget reflects that. You know, even before you start writing cool stuff, and uh, put down what it is, put together your budget, figure out what it is that you want to spend, what it is that that you think you can make back. Um, And labor is one of those things that, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't, 
that's not something that you pay for once and it, you can keep using it. You know, labor, labor is, is just like any other disposable. Um, it's, you're going to spend it every single year you do your haunt. So just make sure that you've budgeted enough labor so that you can give people proper breaks and you have enough folks so that when people start to drop out, um, you can, you can replace them and you can replace them without having to do another set of auditions or without, you know, calling up every person, you know, and trying to get them to fit, trying to call people, you know, that fit into the costumes and that kind of thing. Um, so just make sure that you, you budget to, to properly, properly provide breaks and budget so that you um, can also repair things or replace things. You know, there are certain things that you will need to replace throughout the course of the, the run. I mean, um, whether, it's, whether it's props, costumes, makeup, people, whatever, put, you know, put that contingency into your budget so that you know, well, even... Uh, even it's not because it's not if it's going to happen, it's when it happens. It will happen. I mean, one of the perfect examples from from doing theme park is we used to have these huge metal barrels that were um, used as scenic props in many many haunted attractions. And the cool thing about them is not only are they props, they're also really good noisemakers. So when you bang on them, they have this resounding boom <clears throat> and they, it echoes and it's it's neat. I mean, it's really cool. But you have no idea. And you're thinking, well, these are big metal barrels. There's nothing that can happen to these. These are indestructible. They've never seen haunt actors. Haunt actors can pulverize things. I, no lie, we took... I, I have seen it happen in a matter of three weeks, and this was at uh, three or four nights a week of performance. I have seen these metal barrels be smashed down so they go from, you know, what are they normally, about four and a half feet down to about two and a half feet. I mean, they're literally that banged up. Or if they're hitting them on the sides, they're crumpled like a beer can. It looks like King Kong just came in and went, I'm done with this one, and tossed it off to the side. Um, so, so they had to be replaced. And we have to budget. You have to budget for that. You have got to budget to replace things like that, to replace things like any kind of noisemaker that you, you know, you ever, you can ever think of. Um, it will have to be replaced. Um, so basically don't, don't think about it either from a budgetary standpoint or a preparation standpoint that you're going to build props so that they can be repaired. Know how to repair them when you need to repair them. You will have to repair them. There's just no doubt about that. Um, and just plan for it ahead of time. Cause if you've got it planned for ahead of time, you know, once again, if you fail to prepare, you might as well prepare to fail. If you've got it planned for ahead of time, when it does break or go down, then you'll have the fewest number of guests not experience that particular element. Oh, I mentioned noisemakers, things like shaker cans, or, you know, if you, if you use shaker cans or any other kind of noisemaker, I personally like duck and goose calls just because they sound weird, um, especially, or a turkey call, um, especially if you happen to be in, uh, in a clown house or something that's, that's kind of wonky and fun. But just understand, well, I'm going to get one for each actor. Well, that's great because that'll last you a weekend. Um, so you might as well, you might as well just assume that the rest of your guests will not experience that noise or that sound. Um, just, just make sure that, you know, you, you purchase enough. Uh, if you're doing, if you are doing an escape room, for example, I strongly suggest buying two of everything because those guests, not only do they, you can't have things break, but they're on a time schedule. And, you know, what we did with, with the Vault of Souls release rooms this year is we have a, 
because we have actors in the room with the guests, um, we have a workaround for every technical malfunction that can happen that involves actors and common sense. Um, and we planned to do that during the rehearsal process. We actually worked through that during the rehearsal process. And, uh, you know, it's everything from they come up with, they release some ridiculous story which ends up leading them to the next clue, or in our particular case, they can become possessed by the spirits that are trapped in the room with them. And if a, if a video doesn't cue, for example, um, they can, they know what the video says and they can basically make it happen on their own. Now, obviously not the, the thing we want to have happen, but you know, things, things go awry from time to time. So you just have to have, have in the, in your back pocket, what do I do when this goes down? Not if this goes down, when this goes down, because it will, it will. Um, anything that can break will break during the course of your haunt season. And if you want to be consistent, prepare for that up front so that you're, you're just ready to go. Um, this is also true, by the way, with, with animations. Uh, one of the things that I strongly recommend, and I, and this is not coming from me personally necessarily, um, but this is coming from a lot of the, the wonderful tech folks that I have worked with over the years. Um, when you get an animation or an animatronic, the first thing you're going to want to do before you even install it is take it apart and see if you need to rebuild it. Um, take it, take it completely. I mean, just strip it down, know exactly what it looks like inside and out. Um, because you will have to repair it. You will have to repair it, and you might as well know how to do it, or at least have some idea, and have some backups of the, the widgets and the thingamabobs that you need to... to don't you love it when I talk technical? But uh, the widgets and the thingamabobs that you're going to need to repair this, um, because it's going to happen. You're going to look at it and almost every animation on the market. You'll take it apart, and you'll go, wow, that's that's going to break right there. Look at that. That's going to break. Um, reinforce it. Reinforce it before it breaks. Um, and don't misunderstand me. I am not slamming any of the providers of this stuff. They are, you know, trying to make it affordable and so that people can, can use it. But if you're running a, an attraction, if you're running a haunt that it has a conga line throughput and you want, you know, thousands and thousands of people, that animation is going to be firing almost all the time. It's going to be either firing or resetting. So you're going to have to, to ramp up the way it's built, reinforce the way it's built, and know exactly if it starts to do this, chances are good it means we need to replace that. Um, and once again, I'm clearly not the tech guy, so I, I, I know in theory of what I speak, um, but you know, I'm sure that, that those of you listening who are wonderful with animatronics and... and widgets and thingamabobs that you guys will understand exactly what I'm talking about. Same is true with lighting. You know, make sure that you're, with your lighting, you have backup um, fuses and bulbs and, and uh, lamps and, I don't know, whatever else you're going to need. Um, gels. Oh my gosh, gels. Make sure that you have plenty of, of color medium so that when the gels burn through, and they will, for those of you still using conventional lighting, um, you know, LEDs are great. But you know what? LED fixtures go too. So you know, if you need, if you need thirty for your haunt, buy thirty-five. Uh, you can always go back to the manufacturer and and yell about something breaking later. But our, your guests don't care. Your guests do not care. 
I mean, I'll, I will give you a perfect example um, with with the Vault of Souls, um, because it uses a real elevator to take you from one floor to the other. We actually have an elevator repairman on site every night of the event. So if something goes wrong, it does not shut us down. We do not have to... I mean, yes, we can take guests up and down stairs. Obviously, that's an egress thing, and we're totally cool to do that. But it delays everything. It makes things run slower. So it is important to us to make sure... to not to say, you know, what if the elevator breaks? It's important for us to be proactive and say, we have a guy here who is ready to fix the elevator if it goes down for some reason. Um, it's sort of like if you if you live up if you live north, you know, I'm I'm in Tampa right now, but I used to live in Chicago, and I will never forget that the the winter after my father bought a snowblower when I was a kid was the winter that it did not snow and nobody cared. You know, it it was like an omen or a, a, a talisman that that warded off not an omen. It's like a talisman that warded off the snow clouds, you know. Um, but that's okay because he was prepared. We were prepared to use this thing, um, and thrilled that we didn't have to. And the same is true with, with any sort of, of preparation for repair. Um, and you may discover that when you take apart your animatronics, that you have to add repair hatches or repair openings to get inside, um, before I even started doing Haunt, I worked with a touring puppet company in Chicago, and we used to build our puppets not so that they would uh, not so they would be easy to repair, but so that uh, it, they would be easy to repair if something went wrong. We built them so that we could constantly get in and see if things needed to be repaired. So we built we built little doors in the back of their heads, underneath their wigs or whatever, so that. We could get in there and check and see. Okay, is the how's the fabric holding up? How's the is the spring holding up? Is the eye mechanism holding up? Um, so we could actually check it. We could, in other words, quite literally, sometimes look under the hood to make sure everything's going as planned. So uh, do that with your props. Do that with your props and make sure that you budget accordingly and and stay up with that kind of be prepared to stay up with that kind of maintenance. So so that's all your that's all your preparation. I'm sure there's other things that you can do to prepare, um, you know, making certain, excuse me, making certain that, uh, all of your, your, your power is in good shape, um, prior to opening. Um, that is a consistency issue because there are haunts, there are haunts and even big ones, even big, 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 big boy players in the haunt industry who will have their power go out. And for, the strangest reasons and sometimes for no reason at all. Um, and when the power goes out, what do you do? How do you plan it? So the more you can, you know, if you're in a a space that is a, a temporary space, make sure that you're not obviously overloading the power because that's clearly a safety issue. And honestly, the fire, the fire inspector probably won't let you open, but, um, just make sure that, you know, everything you can do within your power to make sure that everything is ready to go before you open and you know exactly what to do, where to find the the breaker boxes. Um, make sure you got all that in place before you before you open and before you start. So that's all your all your preparation. Um, so now you've opened. All right. Now you're you're up and running and you want to make sure that week one is as good as week two, which is as good as week three, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So one of the 
best things I've found from a from an actor standpoint, and I think we've mentioned this on one of the other podcasts as well. Um, I think the best investment you can make is to provide water and some sort of snacks for your cast. Now, there are people uh, who know me from years and years ago who will say, "Scott, I never saw you drink a, any water in your life." In fact, you got through most of most of the events on Monster and Pixie Sticks. Um, I was much younger then, so I didn't have a heart attack. It was good. But uh, now, now that I've, I've gotten a little older and perhaps wiser, um, I've discovered that it's, you're actually better from a sustainability standpoint to provide water and some sort of snacks with, with protein in them, whether that's you know, uh, jerky or tofu or almonds or some, uh, something, because protein is, is a much more sustainable uh, energy source. And you also don't wake up. I used to wake up with, it felt like a hangover um, when I was doing all the sugar and, and all that. Um, plus, I wasn't even performing at the time. I was, you know, supervising and, and walking around, but I was losing my voice. And it was because I had I had, was putting so much sugar and caffeine into my system that it was just drying everything up and not a wise move. So, um but provide if you are able to provide your cast with water and some sort of of nutrition and once again work it into your budget um, if you can uh, you will it will save you money in the long run because you won't have to find those last minute actors it will keep them moving motivated um, keep their bodies lubricated I mean that's what water really does I know that sounds dirty yeah everybody says there's always one time in the in the each episode where I say something that sounds dirty that was probably it. Uh, Hopefully there won't be another one. I don't know, but uh, but if you keep them if you keep them hydrated, um, provide water, your actors will be able to go much longer, be much more consistent, and uh, and a little bit of extra snacks. Basically, you're providing the providing them the basics, the things that their body needs. And if you can't afford to provide it, encourage them to bring it. You know, at the at the very least, offer a fridge so they can bring their lunch. Um, encourage them to do their own potlucks. I mean, most casts do that anyway. Um, but uh, you know, let them know. Hey, guys, if you if you have the opportunity to bring in some trail mix or something that has a little bit of protein in it, and and you provide the water, I'll you know, it's like say I'll provide the water, you bring in the food. Here's a fridge. Go nuts. Um, during the run of the event, during the run of the event, if you are not a haunt actor but are a an owner, a director, a designer, a costumer, a makeup artist, get out of the little tent behind your your haunt or the the dressing room or wherever it is that that everybody gets ready get out of there after everybody's you know made up and ready to go and go out and walk the haunt the best way to keep a haunt in top-notch form is to have the people who put it together out there looking at it um and don't necessarily just observe the actors yes you want to make sure they're in the right places and doing the right thing but also observe the patrons observe the guests going through you know if you batch um sneak into one of the groups um i used to do that all the time and actually still do with the vault of souls get in with one of the groups um you can you know yes you can go and find a secret hiding place and watch what's going on but again the best way to figure out is it working is it still working are they doing what i want or what they should be doing uh, is to go actually through with a group of guests and see how the guests respond you know, you may discover that this sounded really good in rehearsal, but maybe we need to tweak it or massage it, or maybe they've changed it somehow. Um, and the only way to know that is to actually get out there and do it. Uh, I, I think 
I think if you observe the guests and then listen to the guests as they come out of your haunt, best, best information you can get. If they're talking about something, make sure that that is, if they're talking about something good, let me rephrase that. If they're talking about something good, make sure that that is always top notch because that's what your guests are remembering. If there's something that's lame or if they're coming out and they're not screaming, um, maybe you need to ramp things up near the end. If that is indeed your goal. Um, if you are an atmospheric haunt um, or a kitty haunt, obviously you want to hear the right things there too. Um, for example, if you're a family haunt, and there are more and more of those, and by the way, hardcore haunters do not knock the the trick or treat style um, f- younger kid haunt because what they're doing is they are training the audience for tomorrow. You know, once the once the five year old realizes, ooh, it's kind of cool to go out at night and and go out in the dark and say boo and make mom and dad jump. Um, those are going to be our haunt actors in the next ten years. So, next ten or fifteen years. So, don't knock those kids' haunts. Um, but l- listen to the guests and make sure that they're saying what you want them to say. Like, not things like, oh, well, that was too scary for my two year old, um, or boy, that was interesting when the the witch made her broom fly or what, I don't know, whatever it is, whatever it is, but listen, listen to the guests and that will help you, um, sustain the quality because let's be honest, you can't be everywhere at once, but the more places you can be, the more effective you'll be as a, as a leader or a director. And, um, and if you are a haunt actor, don't just scare the person walking through that has the name tag or is wearing the staff shirt or, you know, happens to be your boss or, you know, stuff like that. scare the people around them because that's what they're watching for. They're watching for you because you're not going to scare them. They know where you are. They know what you're going to do. They trained you to do it for crying out loud, but scare the people around them so that they can see, Oh, this works on, on quote unquote, regular people, assuming that, you know, regular people come to, to haunted attractions. And of course they do. Of course they do. So, um, the other thing that I, I think is really important is to make certain that good behavior is rewarded. If you are a haunt owner or operator, um, set up a set up a, re- a rewards program, and it does not have to cost a ton of money. Um, you can even do something as simple as awarding one person anywhere in the haunt could be the the ticket taker, the parking lot attendant, the security guy, uh, any of your cast, your makeup artist, um, any of your tech team. Award a champion of the night, somebody who does something above and beyond, because that makes people feel good, number one, and number two, it makes them constantly strive to be better. Can I be the champion of the night? Uh, one of the things we used to do at Bush was they had a, um, we were able to give out meal coupons at Bush Gardens in Tampa during Hallow Scream. If somebody did something above and beyond, we would in essence buy them dinner uh, at one of the one of the employee cafeterias. Um, I even did something as silly one year as had buttons made that said, I scared Scott. And people wanted those so badly um, just because it was unique and it was something, it was a brag tag. So um, reward good behavior. Now, I, I will always say, I will always say reward good behavior publicly and redirect bad behavior privately. Because the last thing you want to do is to yell at somebody in front of their peers because that's going to shut them down. It's also going to be leading by fear, which never works. Leading by fear breaks down every single time. Every single time. 
So make certain that you, you praise in public and redirect in private. And that way you can you know, take all the things that you've observed by walking through your haunt and putting them in, put them into immediate practice. Um, I actually used to keep the I Scared Scott buttons in my pocket. And if I could, as the, as the performer was resetting, I would simply slip it into their hand. So there was immediate gratification. And they go, ooh, that's a good scare. You know, if you are, if you're trying to reinforce behavior of anything, humans or birds or dogs or anything, make sure that you do it with immediate gratification um, and reward that, reward that good behavior. Also, I mean, I know, I know haunters like to go out and party. I know they like to be crazy. I know they like to have a good time. But during the course of the run, please, please, please take care of yourself encourage your performers to take care of themselves, encourage each other, if you are a haunt actor uh, or a haunt technician, encourage the other people around you to take care of themselves. I know that's not always possible. I really do. But nothing, nothing makes for a better haunt performance, whether you are actually performing or uh, setting up the lights or running the parking lot or whatever. Nothing improves your ability to do your job more than staying healthy and staying rested. And I know you're all just laughing right now. You're going, oh, hell no. That doesn't happen. Um, but make every effort. You know, if you can, if you can schedule the, your life outside of your haunt so that, you know, Sundays become a day of rest or Mondays become a day of rest, depending on what your, your um, run schedule is, and take it. To, and I know you're going to say, well, i got to do laundry, and i got to do this, i got to I have my other job. <clears throat> but if you want the haunt to be really strong and good throughout, get, the sleep that, get all the sleep you possibly can. Do not live on pixie sticks and monsters. And, uh, and just make sure that you maintain your health as much as possible. So not only do you start going in healthy, but you also are able to somehow... Do little bits and pieces to maintain your health throughout the course of the run. Um, and if you are if you are either a haunt owner or a haunt actor or a stage manager, continue to encourage and I would actually say insist that warm-ups be done at the beginning of every night. Because that will slip. You'll get halfway through the, the event and they're like, eh, I, I'm fine. I don't really need to stretch. I don't really need to warm up. And that night they get hurt. So insist on it make it just part of the part of the ritual of getting ready you know it's we we greet each other we hug everybody we say hi um we start we put our stuff down do a group warm-up where everybody does the same thing and then everybody goes off and does their own little stretches or vocal vocal warm-ups or whatever and then they get into makeup and costume and go out and scare the crap out of people um the other thing you might want to do and and again this isn't just for haunt owners this is for the frontline folks as well. Do be aware of what I call content shift. If you start out thinking, okay, this is a room about impeccably, and this this is a story that did actually happen at a haunt that I was part of, and uh, it, it it was originally supposed to be these uh, these guys in white doctor's coats that um, had just little little tiny spatters of of blood on them from um, doing like little things like, you know, taking a, a scalpel and, and slicing under someone's gum or, you know, just poking them just a little bit in the arm um, so that just a little bit of blood came. So it was one of those, it was like that, I call it the paper cut creep. 
You know, that thing where you kind of go, hmm. I can, because I'm the kind of person, I can watch somebody be destroyed by a werewolf and it doesn't make me flinch. But if I see someone take a scalpel and draw it across their thumb, it wugs me out. So we had done a room like that in one of the haunts. And uh, then the performers got it into their heads that they wanted to um, add a little more blood and a little more blood. And then we went down. (laughs) I thought our costumer was going to blow up. Um, We went down to see it one night and they were no lie dripping in blood um which made absolutely no sense it it kind of ruined the room it took away that that realism that that creepiness and i know a lot of people say well you can you can never have too much blood well you can because it gives you you know you become numb to it if you don't continue to have variety so that's a that's what i mean when i say content creep um it or content shift it it moves, and sometimes it's not even intentional. Sometimes it's, well, this works, so I'm going to do more of that. So I'm going to do more of that. Well, that decision should come from the director or from the stage manager or from the haunt owner, not from the individual actor. Um, they can suggest it, and some of the best things that ever happened in any haunts I've ever done came from suge- suggestions from other people. But it has you still have to have one person who, who decides, okay, that's that may be too far. Um, or that's exactly right. Let's do that. Uh, that's the kind of thing that leads to consistency so that, you know, one person doesn't go, Oh, wasn't that cool in that room when that thing happened? And a person who went two weeks later said that thing didn't happen. I didn't see that. So be aware of content shift, content creep. Um, if, when you have downtime, if at all possible, have a group of people, maybe two or three, that don't work the haunt, but just come in when the haunt is closed and paint things, touch up things, fix things, replace things. You know, if you have a replacement crew, um, and this, you know, could conceivably even be your actors because it just gives them something different to do, um, or some of your actors. But, uh, you know, it, it kind of goes back to the idea of, of Disneyland. When Disneyland first opened, um, they had a shooting gallery where you would actually still shoot shoot BBs. Um, yeah, safety was not really much of an issue back then. No, it was. They just had different rules. Anyway, in the shooting gallery, every night after the park closed, they would go back and repaint the bullseyes. So they never had chipped paint. They always looked like the first day that it was there. Um, I think that is a brilliant approach because it shows that, hey, you know what? Maintenance is important. So if you can, have a team of two or three people who, you know, during the course of the, of, the, of the week, the stage manager or the cast or whomever can, can make lists of, hey, this needs to be fixed, this needs to be fixed. And if it can be fixed, obviously, on the fly, do it. But have that list together and then take that punch list to your punch list crew um, who's not exhausted from having worked every single night of the event and have them fix it. Um, repair, correct, repaint on, on the, during the downtime. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer that if a prop or something is around 50% complete or intact, replace it then, because it's going to break, and it's probably going to break the first time, or sometime in the middle of the night, uh, when an actor hits their prop against something, and it's supposed to be a threatening moment, and it the blade, the plastic blade from the pretend sword snaps off and goes flying across the room and 
Um, or worse yet, the metal blade from a metal sword snaps off and goes flying across the room. Um, if you're at 50%, if it looks sort of dodgy, it's time to replace it. Perfect example of that is if you guys use sliders or if you are a slider. Slider gear needs to be replaced on a regular basis. Um, and especially if you're using PVC, which is what I recommend, or steel toe guards or whatever, um, if they're looking, if they're looking like they're about to fall apart, replace them before they do. Replace them before they do. Trust me on this one; it will be far more worth your while um, because you will be avoiding injury, both of your performer and of your guests, and just make sure that um, that, it, that that it's. It doesn't break on set. It breaks... You, you replace it before it breaks, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And I know, I know, I know. Budget, 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 budget. I get it. I get it. Can't afford to do that. Can't afford to do that. Well, then make different choices. Make choices that you can afford to do and do consistently. Because um, I think that'll work to your advantage as you move forward. Um, I would also recommend that, you know, if you have either delicate props or, or props that are, are quite often handled by guests or worse yet, props that are handled by haunt actors because they are rough on props. Um, or you have uh, an animatronic or a, a you know an animation of some sort. Create fix-it kits. Have fix-it kits going. Sort of like a first aid kit for the prop. Um, because if you've got, you know, say going back to our, our widgets and gizmos that are making the giant anima- animation move, um, have put together your fix-it kit that has five of those widgets and gizmos, plus the tools you need to install the widgets and gizmos, and then uh, just put that in a box and put it either underneath it or someplace right by it so you don't have to go, oh, the giant animation went down. Let's go find everything we need to fix it. No, have it all there. Have it all there. Going back to my puppetry days, we used to have a, a bag for each puppet that had little bits of the same fabric that was used um, in case you in case it got a tear and you had to patch it um, little bits of the same little little jars of the same paint that was used to to touch up paint while we were touring so create fix-it kits um, for your animatronics and actually you can create fix-it kits for your actors too you can create um, little uh, touch-up makeup bags or uh, sewing kits always have sewing kits available always have sewing kits available um, but if you, you know, if you do none of these other things, if you do none of the other things that I've suggested here as far as having fix-it kits or, or you know, keeping an eye on content shift or whatever, uh, replacing props, make sure that you have gaff tape. Gaff tape. Not duct tape. Duct tape is something different. Make sure that you have gaff tape. I have personally used gaff tape to replace to repair everything from a fog machine to my own pants. Uh, they can they can be used to it can be used to repair pretty much anything. Um, and you're probably wondering how did you use gaff tape to repair your pants? Although some of you may know, oh, I know exactly what he did. Um, I will tell the story. Sorry, the. Uh, <laughs> There was one night, um, uh, oh gosh, several years ago, um, my slider team had said, Scott, you, you used to slide, didn't you? And I said, yes, yes, I did. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I was in my, my grown-up clothes, so I wasn't particularly ready to go out and, and slide. 
but they talked me into it. They said, just do, just do one slide. Just do one slide to show that you can still do it. And sure enough, I did it perfectly, except for the fact that I ripped my pants from... Oh, I believe if the nautical term would be from stem to stern. Uh, basically from my fly to my back belt loop and down through my legs and up the back. I, mean, I split my pants like there was no tomorrow. And when I finished laughing and finally got my uh, my slider gear off, um, I uh, I went back in the dressing room, took off my pants, took a piece of, of gaff tape, kind of lined the fabric up, and on the inside put a line of gaff tape all the way around my crotch, basically, and um, was able to repair my trousers so that I could go through the rest of the night, or at least long enough to get up to uh, up to my office, where I always kept an extra pair of pants. So uh, you, can, you can use gaff tape. It will hold fabric. It will hold darn near anything. Um, it's good for heat. It's, it, it, gaff tape. It is the most important thing. Uh, gaff tape, great stuff and hot glue. I mean, that's your whole life. Um, so, so that's how you that's how you can sustain in the middle. Uh, and then, of course, when you get near the end, you want to finish strong. Now, I mentioned this earlier. When I say finish strong, that does not mean it's the last weekend. Let's go just crazy. Let's just go nuts. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. Someone will get hurt. Um, and it might be a guest, which will be the worst possible thing. Um, it would be a shame to have a really successful run of your haunt, and then in the last weekend, you hurt somebody, and due to litigation, you lose absolutely every piece of profit, and you can't do it ever again. So, finish strong, but that does not mean finish crazy. That does not mean finish different. It means finish with the same intensity and the same power that you started with, and that you've been able to sustain throughout the entire run. Um, cheerlead. I often say my biggest job near the end of any haunted attraction is cheerleading. It's making certain that the cast and the, the crew stay interested in what they're doing. Um, they're not already thinking about the next project. They're focusing in on, we've got we've to make this one work tonight. And it's, you know, it, the, my biggest pet peeve is people who will say, well, I'm not really going to fix that prop because it's just the last weekend. Well, um, if you look at most attendance records... The last weekend before Halloween is usually a pretty good weekend. So, and those are the folks who will come back early next year. Um, or you may also find that it's people who came early this season and are coming back again because they had such a good time. And if their second time isn't as good as their first time, then your um, the sustainability of your haunt is not particularly good. So, um, cheerlead, keep people keep people focused. Uh, I know I mentioned try not to, to do too much partying during the course of the, the run of the event, but I am a firm believer that after the event is over, have a huge party. And I've got some friends um, who do a huge party that is not at all affiliated with, but includes the entire cast of a major event. And um, I'm no longer even part of that event, but I still go to that party. And it's a heck of a lot of fun. And people look forward to it, and it gives everybody the opportunity. They don't think that they have to you know, say goodbye and, and get all their, their hugs and hugs and sorrow in on the last night of the event. They know they're all going to be together for that, that big end of season party. And, and I think it's really, really important to, to make sure that, that you have that and you use that as a tool, um, to encourage them to, to keep coming and to be a part. 
and to stay focused on the job so that then you can party afterwards. Um, I was, you know, before each one of my shows, I always make some some handwritten notes, and that's why when you hear paper rustling, rustling like that, um, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm looking at my notes to make sure that I cover all the stuff that I want to cover. Otherwise, I just ramble incoherently. Well, okay, ramble even more incoherently than when I have notes. And I wrote down, before I started this show, at this point I said, talk about discouraging late-night shenanigans, or last-night shenanigans. The last night of almost every haunt or haunted event or haunted attraction that I have ever seen people try to pull something. Um, it may be something as, as harmless as, I'm going to take home this prop as a, as a memento, and everybody thinks that they're the first ones to ever do it. Um... If you are a kind and generous soul, you can uh, you can let them do that, or you can all say everybody gets one thing, or you give them some special gift at the end. I don't know. Or you take take a, a head count of all the props. You make them check them all back in so that they don't take anything home. Um, obviously, they can probably keep their makeup, but that's not the kind of shenanigans I'm really concerned about. Um, there was a time, and I discovered this way after the fact. But there was a time in one of the haunts that I was involved in, which shall remain nameless. But if the people involved with this shenanigans, I love using that word because nobody knows what it means anymore. But uh, if, if, yeah, look it up. Um, if you, if you are the people who were involved with these particular shenanigans, I know you did it. Um, they actually decided after the event closed and all the guests were gone and they thought everything was shut down for the night, they decided to go streaking through the event. Um, so here's a bunch of butt naked haunt actors running around this, uh, this event after it closed. And, um, after I did find out about it, it was, let me just put it this way. It was not the wisest thing. It's something my friends would often refer to as a CLM, a career limiting move. So make sure that you kind of keep tabs on those late night shenanigans. And I don't want to say that, you know, well, you should, you should always be professional. You should always be professional if you truly care about what you're doing. If this is a business for you, if this is something that you want to sustain for a long period of time, you should take it seriously. Doesn't mean you can't have fun doing it, but don't make stupid choices. Um, don't decide to come in after, after security has locked up the building and, and, and run around naked. Um, it's just not a good move. Not a good move. It doesn't. It doesn't show a great deal of respect for what you're doing. Um, I, you know, it might be fun, but only once. Um, just remember, just remember that the last, your last guest, deserves the same show as your first guest. The last guest deserves the same show as the first guest. And the only way to do that is through preparation, through sustaining the event, through the course of the run, and to make certain that you finish strong. Um, I know that, like I said, at this point in time, if you're listening to this in a timely manner, uh, you're probably all in the midst of, uh, of haunt season. And in fact, you may not be able to listen to this because you're all in the midst of haunt season. But when you have a chance to take a deep breath and, and listen to this show... Um, I hope I've given you some ideas and some suggestions as to how to make your events consistent from beginning to end and how to get through it without killing yourself or anybody else. Um, 
Before I go tonight, there are a couple of places. I've had a couple of people ask a couple of questions that I would like to address and answer. Um, some folks have asked me, uh, some people who have been reading the Haunt Journal, um, I've been writing a four-part article for Haunt Journal magazine, and um, there's some people who say, I've, I've caught the last one or the last two, and um, I missed the first one or the first two, and I, uh, I would like to get copies of that. Is there any way I can? Um, that all of that stuff becomes property of the Haunt Journal when I write it. Um, I will let them know that you are interested, and I'll see if we can do maybe a whether they can post it online or uh, give me permission to post it online. Um, but I have I'm not ignoring you because um, I know you've contacted some of you have contacted me um, online, and I, like I said, I'm not ignoring you. I just want to make sure that that I ca- I can appropriately. Um, share that information with you. If you have been reading it, great. Um, if you have not been reading it and don't get Haunt Journal magazine, what is wrong with you? It's a very good magazine. You should you should check it out. Um, I will be. I do have some shows coming up um, that I'm pretty excited about. So if you if you are a listener and would like to to say hi and either I know most of the listeners I've probably met in person anyway. You know the tens and tens of people out there listening. Uh, but I will be at uh, at IAPA. Um, coming up in November, which is the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions. It's a huge trade show in Orlando. Um, I will be there for that. I'm teaching actually a seminar, uh, not on haunting per se, although I will be using some haunt examples. Um, it is a seminar called No Theater, No Problem, The Impact of Atmospheric Theater or Atmospheric Performance. And um, so I will be there. And if you are an IAPA member or plan to be at IAPA, please find me. I would love to say hi and um, you know, just walk up and go, hey, aren't you a Scott in the Dark? And and I'll feel really important um, and kind of go, uh, yes, yes, I am. And then you'll probably say something like, yeah, you just ramble on in your uh, in your podcast. You should, you should have more focus. That happens a lot. Um, but I will also be at, uh, at two specific haunt events, or I plan to be at two specific haunt events, um, barring any other unforeseen circumstances. Um, in January, I plan to uh, appear at, I plan to be at, uh, at HauntCon in New Orleans. And um, I, I, have, I have submitted to teach a couple of seminars there as well. I don't know whether I'm teaching them or not, but as soon as I find out, I will put it on here. And um, so that's the beginning of 2018. And then I will also be, um, I will be at Transworld and hopefully teaching a, a seminar there as well. So um, there's a lot of places that you can, you can run into me and say hi and, you know, let me know whether you, you think this is worthwhile or whether it's, you know, absolute garbage and just self-serving for me to talk into a microphone every now and then for an hour. Um, the other thing that, that has come up that people have asked about, um, are my books of poetry, um, dark, sinister, creepy poetry and prose. I do have three books that, that have been self-published and they are available at lulu.com. That's L-U-L-U.com. Um, two of them are from the Vault of Souls, the first and second year. And then the third one is called uh, Dreaming in Shades of Fear, which was actually my first one. That's the first one I wrote. And um, they're all available for sale on lulu.com. And if so, if you want to find them, that's where they are. Just search Scott Swenson. I think I'm the only Scott Swenson on Lulu.com, and uh, you should be able to find them. But the names of the books, in case it doesn't come up under my name, are um, uh, uh, "Dreaming in Shades of Fear," which is the is the first one. Then 
uh, Souls, which is the second one, and Left Behind, which is the third one. Um, Souls and Left Behind are strictly poetry and um, kind of embrace my Dr. Seuss meets Edgar Allan Poe approach. And the first one is uh, has some of that, but also has some, some short stories. And um, that one's in paperback. And, and I go back and read it and I go, ooh, that one's good. And ooh, ooh, I don't like that one. I don't know. If you do get them, read them. Let me know what you think. Um, so I guess that's about it. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And hopefully I will get a chance to run into some of you at some, some shows in the near future. But until then or until the next time that I dig out the computer and hook up the microphone, it's time for me to say goodnight and rest in peace. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.